This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 3, Episode 1. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister. I forgot to mention because I'm not sticking to the script. I'm doing the old script. But this show is brought to you by XS Sites. They are also an episode sponsor today. And today is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. Hard to believe we are already a week pretty much into July. Mm -hmm. Before we know it, the year is going to be gone. And we'll be knocking on 2022's door. Speaking of which... Come, like, I think it's January 1st, 2022, Matthew. I just got to get this off my chest. It's kind of bugging me. But uh, our lovely governor and state legislature here in Colorado uh, passed a law that goes into effect in a couple of phases. First, the beginning of 2022, we have to statewide be charged 10 cents for every shopping bag that we use. Mm. And then I think in 2024... Uh, the plastic shopping bags that you know everyone's familiar with are are like straight up outlawed like no more wow like they are just illegal <laughs> so i'm like really come on like i understand the environmental side of, of things sure whatever but i just i, I just i abhor government further intruding into our lives like people can be encouraged to do certain things, but you know, let 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 grownups make uh, grownup decisions and decide how they want to uh, how they want to do things. <laughs> so, Mark, anyway. Mark in the comments said, "Glad to see California's laws are spreading." <laughs> That's how it goes? Yeah, because all them Californians are moving out here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just had to get off my chest. It's like, ah, like really? Come on. Ah. Yeah. Today's today's episode is a justified saves episode. So looking forward to sharing with you the latest what we call justified save stories or defensive gun uses as they are uh, commonly known as by many many people. And uh, yeah, we got a bunch of great stories to share with you. Uh, lots of lessons learned, good and bad. So stay tuned for that. We are also going to, for the first time, officially publicly talk about the Old Town, Arvada, Colorado shooting uh, where the Good Samaritan Johnny Hurley was shot and killed. Uh, we may even break that down a little bit more in its own episode at some point, but uh, we're going to talk about that today. And so I wanted to mention that now because I know many of you probably have some interest in that and want to hear our take so stay tuned. That'll come later in the episode. Um, also, I wanted to mention that, hey, this is the first episode of season three. Mm-hmm. How about that? We're there. We, we did a wrap up of season two, just last episode. Uh, good times. So welcome to season three, everybody. So it's, Jul- it's the beginning of July. And uh, yeah. We're going to have a lot of great stuff this season, so stay with us. Stay tuned. Today's episode sponsored and brought to you by XS Sites, our title sponsor of the podcast. 
You know, I've been using XS sights, particularly I'm a huge fan of their F8 night sights. Many of you probably already know that. You hear me talk about them all the time. I'm just a fan of the F8 night sights. They have other sight options, of course, as well. Uh, and yeah, they're all good too. But check out XS sights, guy. XS sights, guys. Yeah, it's kind of a mouthful sometimes. Um, I I came on or you know got kind of educated on the F8s when they were pretty new. Um, started uh, switching more and more guns over to them and haven't really looked back since. Uh, at least with my iron-sided defensive-oriented guns. Um, yeah, they're not what I run on my competition pistols, uh, but different tools for different jobs, right? So that's why I think they're, that's why we're, we're proud to have them as a sponsor of the Concealed Carry podcast. Uh, I would encourage you to check out XS Sites at XSSites.com. Made in America. Everything is made by them right there in Texas. They have uh, quite a facility. I hope to get a tour of one day, perhaps. I know there's a whole section I can't even go in because that's where they handle the uh, the tritium that goes into the night sites. You got to have like even uh, one of their uh, top people at the company was joking with me one time about how he can't even go in there um, <laughs> because only certain people with certain qualifications and licenses or whatever got to be all suited up and in they go to work on the, the tritium portion of the sites. Um, don't worry. They're completely safe to use. <laughs> Just Once they're completely them. assembled and manufactured, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they're actually one of the few companies that handle and manufacture their own tritium vials for the night site portion of their sites, which is great because that allows them to have increased quality control as well as better pricing. Mm-hmm. Check out again accesssites.com. Today's other episode sponsor is the Legal Boundaries by State Book can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Uh, yeah, new update just coming out. So check out and get your own copy of the Legal Boundaries by State Book. It's a it's a travel guide for American gun owners. Covers all 50 states, state by state by state in alphabetical order. So it's really easy to use. You just, hey, I'm going to go to Ohio or I'm going to travel through Ohio and just open up my legal boundaries by state book to Ohio, to the Ohio page. And that's another thing too. It's, it's very concisely compiled. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a page for each state and just a page, but we worked really hard to figure out how to fit all of the pertinent information on a single page so that it was easy to use, easy to understand, but has all of the important stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, to go to uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book to pick up your own copy. And if you, you buy the paper and the electronic ebook version, or if you just buy the ebook version, you get lifetime access to all ebook updates. So that's a pretty good deal. Eventually, we're going to run out of customers, apparently. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's not a very smart business strategy. <laughs> anyway, guys, appreciate your support of our sponsors, which support us and the podcast and make it possible to do what we do here. 
As was mentioned, this is a Justified Saves episode. We usually lead it off with what not to do stories, but we have an opening story we want to get to first. Matthew, why don't you take this away? We've got a story out of Chicago, um, but actually, yeah, yeah, this was the Austin neighborhood or subdiv or uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Or suburban area, whatever of Chicago. It's on mm-hmm. the west side. So uh, we got uh, one killed, three wounded in Austin, sh- Chicago area shooting. Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy that there'd be a shooting in Chicago, but um, so we have uh, this. Yeah, happened- and, and, <laughs> sorry to jump in. This this happened on July fourth or fifth. It was actually on on July fourth night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that night, and I think I saw there was like a, over a hundred people shot. Mm-hmm. in chicago over the weekend yeah um, 18 i think killed uh was the total it's uh yeah chicago for you right it's unfortunate though yeah so in this story one person died unfortunately so um it's the article says uh 10 p.m two men and a woman were standing in an alley um a 33 year old man began shooting at these this uh group of three people uh it's unknown what the um you know, relation between the shooter and these people. If there was a, if it was a robbery, if it was something else, uh, article doesn't go into, in a detail about that. Um, the woman, uh, w- was shot in the head. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, and a man who was 32, who was standing in the group was struck multiple times. He was taken to the hospital. His condition was stabilized. Uh, the police said another man, 49, uh, suffered a gunshot wound to the buttocks and was taken to the same hospital. He is also stabilized. Now, um, a 49 year old man was in the area. He was also Separate to right. the other 49 year old man. Right. So the, the, those three that were together were the ones being shot at a separate person who was 49 standing in there. He's a concealed carry license holder um, and also had a firearm. He witnesses what's going on and he fires on the bad guy who was shooting at this group um, who was later determined to be a 33 year old man. He strikes the shooter in the arm and hip um, police came took the shooter into custody and he is in serious condition it doesn't say anything about this uh, concealed carrier facing any charges or anything seems like it's a pretty decent um opening shut justified defensive use so concealed carrier uh, in chicago witnesses a shooting intervenes and uh stops the bad guy yeah, um, concealed carry license holder, as it said. So, you know, I, this man obviously was in the area and was carrying, and good for him. Uh, I'm glad that uh, he was able to intervene. I mean, it, we don't have a ton of details as to what exactly went down, uh, who exactly the 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 shooter, the killer was, uh, what his intent or intents were. Um, you know, whether this was because, I mean, obviously, there's multiple people shot here. We do see quite a few examples of that in Chicago and other major cities, too, uh, usually where there's crowds of people uh, gathered or, or uh, you know, all celebrating or whatever. So uh, whether this was somebody that was just blindly shooting into a crowd, whether there was a specific person targeted, whether it was domestic-related or something else, we just don't know. 
but uh, we have a, a good guy with a gun that was in the area and was able to perhaps and likely make this a lot less worse than it could have been. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Kudos to you, 49, unidentified 49-year-old man. Thank you for uh, doing what you did to save lives. And it's fortunate, too, that he was able to come away apparently without any injury himself. So that's good because that's not everybody that we're talking about here today in these justified saves was quite so fortunate. Uh, let's see. On Channel 7, it's ABC slash CBS. I, I guess I wasn't aware there was such a thing. So it's a joint affiliate station, khqa.com. Uh, in Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri area, Missouri teen trying to stop assault shoots both parents. Now, this is actually one Matthew was going to uh, not include in today's show, but I decided to include it <laughs> um, because I, I think there's some noteworthy things here. Um, let's be clear. This is an unfortunate situation because what you have is, is a domestic violence situation. You have this 13-year-old boy. Okay, his father is strangling his mother in this domestic violence dispute. All right, and I mean, first of all, my my heart goes out to a young man like this to even have to be witness to a situation like that because that that is unfortunate. Um, fathers, mothers don't. It's not just about being good to your kids. You got to be good to each other too. You got to know when to draw the line and when to call it quits. Um, Yeah. Especially for the sake of your kids. So I don't know that anybody listening, but I suppose it's entirely possible knowing, you know, that Matthew, I'm sure you responded to uh, your share of domestic violence uh, calls. Um, It's uh, more common than I wish it were. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are listening and you, get pretty heated with your significant other or your spouse, um, get some help. All right. 13 year old boy decides to try to stop his father from hurting his mother. He grabs a gun. I have no idea where the gun came from, but clearly he knew where one was, knew how to get access to it, whatever, and fired several shots at his father trying to stop him, but also in the process ended up hitting his mother. Uh, the father is in critical condition, it says, in the hospital. His mother, fortunately, is hospitalized in stable condition. So, sounds like, um, you know, his mother, who he was not trying to hit, uh, is doing at least better than the father. The other thing here is, man, what a what a heavy, heavy load for a thirteen year old boy, a thirteen year old of any, you know, uh, of any type, to uh, to have to carry, knowing that. Not only did you have to shoot your father who was trying to seriously injure, hurt, kill your mother, but you also likely don't have the skill, the training, the discipline in the moment of using that gun to, you know, avoid hitting your mother and now you got to live with the fact that you also shot and could have killed your mother. Um, so that's a heavy, heavy, heavy burden for this young man to carry. But here's the other thing. And this is why I decided to leave it in the story, Matthew. 
the boy was arrested and his case has been sent to juvenile court. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's up with that. Okay. Um, obviously we, we all are only going by a five or six paragraph news story on some website. And so all the details are not here, but based on what is reported, I can't in my mind understand or begin to fathom why this 13 year old boy is arrested and is now going through the juvenile court system over this. Yeah. I mean, typically we don't see, um, you know, dispositions of, um, the, the cases and in, in, they don't include that, especially in an article with such limited detail, but apparently something happened that was, you know, they made the decision uh, pretty quickly that this was, he was going to be charged for something. So uh, I don't want to jump to any conclusions or anything, but um, yeah, it's just sad all around. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, we're going to cover another story with the teenager that intervenes with the firearm. Um it's just it's hard because you're taking a a, a teenager and, ex, and expecting them to make very important decisions um, at the at split second, you know, at the split second, and not only that, but be able to shoot accurately while under stress and, and all these things. And it's hard enough for an adult who's practiced and trained and and kind of thought about these things. And, and you know, so if you're kid is going to be have access to the to the firearms you know um then make sure that they are you know not just that they know how to safely handle the gun but that they're involved in training along with you and and things like that because it is important Mm -hmm. yeah all right just an unfortunate story all the way around uh let's take another look at another story that is sort of a you know what not to do or what could certainly be learned from. And hopefully there's some things we can get from this to to do better. Should we Mm -hmm. be in a similar situation? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and and cover this one as well before I hand the next one off to you, Matthew. Uh, Dinwiddie man fatally shoots his best friend after mistaking him for an intruder. Uh, This happened in Dinwiddie County, which I think is in Virginia someplace. Um, this is reported on the Richmond Times Dispatch, uh, Richmond.com website. Dinwiddie County man fatally shot his best friend, it says, after mistaking him for an intruder. Now, let's be clear. The so-called intruder never actually intruded anything. Uh, so shame on you guys for your lack of accuracy in writing this article for your reporting. But whatever. Uh, I think it was perceived that it could be or was about to become an intruder potentially by the occupants of this home. But here's what happened. Happened around 11 p.m. Tuesday evening, it said. This is back on, this was reported on June 10th. So this is like a month ago. But it was a Tuesday night, it's 11 p.m. All right, so it's middle of the week. People work. People probably have to get up early Wednesday morning, go to work, get ready, all that stuff, right? So it's kind of late on a Tuesday. This guy comes to this to the house. He's best friends, it says, with the homeowner. Uh, says that they've been best friends for years. They were best men at each other's weddings. That kind of thing, right? So these are 
bees are best buds. And it also says in this article that there's, you know, no evidence that they had any sort of falling out. Nobody is, you know, suspecting anything here. Uh, just for whatever reason, one best friend decides to come over to another best friend's house and either mess with him, uh, you know, play a prank on him, or maybe he's just trying to wake him up because he wants to see him, talk to him, hang out for a few minutes, whatever. I don't know. We don't know, obviously, what's going on here. We're just going off of, off of a story. But it says that this man came banging around to the door and the side of the house. This is according to a statement from the sheriff's major. So it's a, he's a major with the sheriff's department or sheriff's office. Uh, William Knott, it says, Major Knott. Is, this is quoting him. So the man came banging on the door the side in the side of the house. Um, and he said, he also said, I don't know whether it was to shock him or whether it was a joke or prank. The occupant of the home, awakened by the commotion, went to the door and saw a silhouette of a man or a person outside thinking it was an intruder. Again, about to be intruder, right? So we're not an intruder till we actually make an intrusion. <laughs> Um, anyway, so the homeowner was armed with a handgun and fired a shot through the front door who struck the other man, killing him on the spot. The sheriff's major said that, uh, I don't think he intended to shoot the gun discharged. It may have been an accident. Now, I don't know about you, Matthew, but what is a, a member of the sheriff's office doing? giving such statements. Yeah, that was, I, I thought that was kind of odd that he kind of tried to speculate on what the, what the uh, guy's mental state was or what you can't really prove that. Right. Like, and I, I would hope that that well, guy didn't make any statements. We have an active investigation. Here, right. right. And the man that shot his best friend is, was arrested and charged with mm -hmm. voluntary manslaughter. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about this, sheriff's department employee but uh and he's a major so he should know better mm -hmm. um but he could be creating problems for the case so we don't know exactly what happened that's i, I would say that's pure speculation I, I don't know maybe the man made a statement um but uh uh either way does it really matter because a shot was fired mm -hmm. uh now whether it was intentionally fired he was shooting through a door at a shape. Remember the triple S disease, the name that Jacob gave that, which is shooting at shapes, sounds, and shadows. So we have a shape or shadow out there. So we have sounds. We have noise, right? Man banging on house. We see a shape, a shadow, a silhouette through the door, and we end up shooting through it. That's a problem. Okay. That is the, this man had the triple S disease. Uh, we don't shoot through doors. Okay. Last Justified Saves episode, we had one instance where a man, justifiably so, fired through a door. But this was after another man fired a shotgun through the door at him. Mm -hmm. Still a risky move to shoot through doors. But at least you have a couple things clarified. You know that person's a threat because they just fired through the door. And you might have a sense about where they are based on trajectory of, of around a shotgun blast coming through a door. So that's still maybe not a perfect thing, but it, at least 
we've got some information there. This is a situation where a man fired at a shape, a sound, a shadow through a door and killed his best friend. Mm-hmm. Now he has to live with that the rest of his life and may go to prison. Um, we'll see. See how this case shakes out. Um, yeah, maybe it wasn't intended. Again, so it goes from voluntary manslaughter to involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, that, that that would be the difference, right? So anyway, a very unfortunate incident. Uh, sorry this happened. Uh, this shouldn't happen to anybody, but that's why we talk about this stuff on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Guys, don't shoot at shapes, sounds, and shadows. Don't shoot through doors. Except or silhouettes. In, yeah, except in like very, very limited cases. And I'm not even going to talk about what those are. I just gave one example. A moment ago, don't shoot through doors. Don't shoot at unidentified people and objects and things. Positively identify your threat before using justified deadly force. If you fail to identify your threat, then you got problems. You're opening cans of worms that are going to get you in big time trouble. Yep. I can't add anything, man. (laughs) So why don't you share with us this next story on foxnews.com where a Texas father... This is a really interesting story. This Um, is wild. You have a father and a mother involved in this situation, but it's the father that ultimately pulls the trigger. And it says, Texas father shoots man peeping into 10-year-old daughter's bedroom. Yeah, so this is wild. So you're going to have to track with me. It's it's not a long story, but it, it... you got to track with me here. So a Texas father, uh, he, it, it, the article says it goes in the, to say it's a licensed gun owner and the mother is also a licensed gun owner, but they're inside their own home. Um, so they are notified by their child, their 10 year old child scream um, because she, this child sees a man outside her window doing inappropriate things while he peeps through the window. Um, at this point, um, the husband and wife, the mom and dad chase after, leave the house and chase after this guy. They attempt to detain him in the yard at gunpoint. They both bring their firearms with them. They are exposed. They're not in a holster. They're exposed and they attempt to detain him at gunpoint in the, in the yard. Um, the, the the man gets up and leaves. He, he's not going to have it. He just walks across the street or takes off across the street to a gas station. Uh, upon getting to the gas station, the mother and father are still pursuing him. Um, they again uh, try to detain him at gunpoint. He now gets on the ground, apparently held at gunpoint by the mother. Uh, the father goes into the gas station to have the clerk call 911. While this is happening, Pause. he's, I'm sorry. Pause. So I picked up on that. I don't, I, I thought that was interesting because what that meant was, and this can they, easily happen in the, in the heat of a moment, but they did not have communications, mm-hmm. right? There's other mistakes made here, but, but they didn't have communications with them. Right. So just, just note that. Mm-hmm. 
it, it does play into to the, what happens. So while they're separated, the suspect takes the opportunity because they're now separated to attack the mother and try to disarm her, which he ultimately does. He disarms the the mother who's uh, of her firearm and points it at her. Uh, as the husband comes out, he sees this and he shoots uh, the suspect. Um, obviously intervening on the behalf of his his wife who has a, a guy pointing a gun at her um the guy was shot four times the bad guy he believes was shot four times uh he's in stable condition uh and obviously was arrested so this is this is kind of crazy you you picked up on the fact that they didn't have communication with them they didn't even have uh call 911 initially they didn't stay, you know, neither. And I, I get it. Like you urge to chase after somebody. I get it. Neither one of them stayed with the daughter who, you know, was traumatized and, and assumed that there was only one person there. Um, obviously in this case, there was only one person. Um, but leaving the victim there is, you know, you probably would want to stay with the victim, get on nine one one. Um, but you know, I'm not going to judge these people's actions. I, I, I I'm not going to say it's not, reasonable to have that desire to chase after somebody but we have to understand that and we've covered this a lot of times that um different laws of different states um are come into play when you use a deadly force uh that level of force to detain somebody um in this case you know they use deadly force to detain somebody who is outside their home who i'm sure this is a felony in in texas um, as probably many other states. Um, so they, you know, they use deadly force to detain this person. But as um, this guy gets away and runs off, now they're pursuing this person. And um, I just kind of looked it up and um, kind of got a, got a basic idea of Texas law because every law is, every state's a little different as far as citizens arrest and stuff. And Texas is is pretty, you know, I'm, I'm par with most of the other states is in that um, you can pursue somebody um, that you're trying, you know, that you, if you're trying to uh, affect a, a citizen's arrest, if you've seen a, a felony or are witness to a crime and you can pursue that person if it's reasonable to think that that person is going to commit a violent crime if you don't if you don't stop them and so in this case you know it it may be hard to say i was pursuing this person because i believe that they were going to go peep in another person's window and you know it, it, it would be different if that person had a gun and they just shot somebody and you're chasing after them and saying i was pursuing after them because i believe that they still had the means to to shoot people they just did and 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 so i pursued them so i'm not saying that these people are going to face charges i don't know um they they likely would be um, you know, e even if it was a borderline case or something, they probably, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll face charges for pursuing these people and holding them at a, at gunpoint, which is a threat of deadly force. Um, but certainly it opens them up to the possibility, the potential. Um, and they ended up having to shoot somebody where oh, potentially if they would have just pursued at a distance, observed and kind of, you know, track them at a, at a distance, got a good description, been on the phone with police, uh, they could have eliminated the, the risk of being sued or having any sort of uh, criminal uh, implication from what they did or having to shoot, shoot somebody. So crazy story, but 
you know um yeah i don't know what do you think riley yeah, I this is a this is a tricky one in terms of the actual the the, the legality of the citizens arrest the the mm-hmm. detainment uh, where deadly force or the threat of deadly force was involved. So I'm not going to really get into that, but uh, I do want to touch on the actual use of force here. From the way I read the story, it was absolutely justified. Sure. Um, and so let's just make make it clear that but that I don't think. That is in question from, no, no, no. from how I see it, because you have this uh, the suspect that you know we don't know exactly what all happened between the time the father goes into the gas station to try to get in contact with nine one one, and now the detained suspect is outside with this man's wife, and but we just know that the suspect actually and in, gets entangled with her and takes her gun. Mm-hmm. So that could have gone sideways really fast, meaning it already did go sideways, but meaning like one of these people, the good guys, theoretically, you know, the, the good guys here could have gotten shot. Uh, the, the woman could have gotten shot. That would have been incredibly unfortunate. Um, I don't know if she just wasn't maintaining her distance uh, if she wasn't committed enough to actually maintaining distance herself, maybe the bad guy here started closing in on her and she failed to just keep her distance. If she was not committed enough to um, actually pull the trigger, right? You got somebody that's coming at you now and they're going to try to take your gun. Um, you, you need to do something about that. You need to prevent that. Your life is in jeopardy. So uh, we don't know what all happened there, but, the father comes back out or the husband comes back out, whatever, and uh, sees this happening, sees that this man has taken away his wife's gun and has to shoot him. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy story. But the, where this all went sideways to begin with was them actually leaving their premises to go after this man. Mm-hmm. All right. Because it could have gotten them hurt or seriously injured or killed. Either one of them. It could have gotten them in trouble legally and facing charges. That does not appear to be the case in this incident, but it could have led to that, right? So I understand that their 10-year-old daughter is involved. This is a sexual crime, okay? Uh, You got the man that is peeping Tomming and is pleasuring himself as he's doing so. This is a sexual offense. So it's a serious thing. You know, especially where a a young child is involved. So all of that, I understand. I understand the parents wanting to defend their child, wanting to make sure that justice could be exacted here, uh, considering the seriousness of a crime like this. But take a step back, take a breath, and you have to evaluate whether it is wise to leave the security and safety of your premises to begin with. And I would say that it is not. All right. Um, Call police, get them in the area. This man may very well have been on foot. It sounds like he was on foot. Okay. And they may be able to still pick him up. All right. So be good witnesses Maintain the safety and security of your home and of your family. 
and keep yourself out of trouble physically and legally. That would be my my final two cents on that one. Yep. Right on, man. Click to Houston.com website here. So the uh, channel two affiliate there in, I think it's uh, NBC in Houston. Gun owner shot seven times while fighting off robbery suspect in Southwest Houston, police say. So this happens in Houston is actually in the parking lot of a Wendy's. Uh, there is video of this incident. In fact, I'm going to pull up some of the video here for those of you that are able to view this on Facebook and YouTube with us today. But uh, basically the way this goes is it says a man pulled into the parking lot of this uh, Wendy's. To, to the, It doesn't say it in the written article, but in the video, it says that he was grabbing a shirt out of the trunk of his car. And he's driving a convertible, by the way. So it's open top, right? He, he doesn't have um, security of, you know, what we normally, what most of us normally have, you know, with a completely walled in and closed uh, vehicle here. So that kind of also uh, can, can play a factor in these kinds of incidents. So that's something kind of interesting to think about. If you are, whether it's driving a motorcycle, whether it's a convertible vehicle of some kind, um, give that some thought as far as how that changes what you do, how you do it, your tactics, et cetera, uh, when you're out and about in case something similar is, you know, something similar happens to you. Um, basically the man pulls into the parking lot. He gets out of the vehicle to grab a shirt out of the trunk of his car. Uh, it was a little unclear if he actually ever got to the shirt or if he had just grabbed it, but very shortly thereafter, uh, he is approached by a man. Another vehicle pulls up, actually backs into a parking space about two or three spaces away, uh, kind of at an angle and, and across park, you know, the, the actual lines in the parking spaces, um, so I'm just going to point out right then and there that that should at least get your attention because that's a bit unusual. Anything that's out of the ordinary should get our attention, right? Um, at least that's, that's how I, how I look at things like this. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start pulling up the uh, video now as I continue uh, talking about a little bit here, but, uh, man, again, pulls in to a space, a few spaces away. He gets out. He approaches the good guy in this incident with a gun. All right. He, he's pointing a gun at him and says he, you know, tells him to hand over his belongings. Um, didn't specify what exactly, but it wouldn't been, it wouldn't have been outside the realm of possibilities that this, that he was going to attempt to try to take this man's car because I mean, it's a pretty nice uh, convertible BMW or whatever. So, Either way, the good guy kind of puts up a little bit of resistance. Uh, he's obviously trying to negotiate his way out of this, de-escalate using verbal judo of some kind. So that's all fine and well, but we got to recognize that with some people that may be effective and with others, it may just escalate things. Um, always, you know, and, and, you know, it's probably always worth trying to use verbal judo of some kind. Um, at the very least, the, how they respond to your initial attempt at something like that should uh, provide good information to you as to whether continuing to not comply and to trying to talk them down or talk them out of it, whether that's a, a 
a good continued course of action or not. In this incident, this guy was not giving in or giving up or quitting. He was very much determined he was going to rob this guy. So he, you know, continues pointing the gun at him, continues telling him to hand over his stuff. The man gets into the vehicle, kind of partway, halfway sort of thing. And at some point, he uh, he, he he starts trying to grab for his own gun. Um, it's a little unclear the timing of everything. They blurred out the good guy in this incident, so we can't see everything perfectly. But I'm going to go ahead and play some of this uh, video now. I hope you're able to hear the audio. Um, if not, it doesn't really matter. It's not really a whole. I mean, there's just some narration by the local uh, reporter. Um, but here we go. So here's a video. You see the two vehicles. And you've got, again, the, you, you see here how I'm going to pause it there. You see how the suspect has come from the vehicle and he he's changing his angle here. I think he's trying to, um, you know, he's trying to gain advantage, obviously, over the man he's trying to rob. He may be also trying to see more of what this man is up to because this man, the, the whole time he is not complying, he's like reaching for stuff or acting like he's going to reach for stuff. Um, whether he's actually reaching for valuables to hand over whether he's just trying to find an opening to get to his gun, a little unclear. And so I'm going to actually hop over some of the narration here. Are you hearing the audio at all, Matthew? Yeah, I can hear it. Okay, great. So the man is still kind of standing in the doorway of his vehicle, not complying, trying to, again, de-escalate things, whatever. And the suspect finally decides, like, he's had enough. He just starts shooting him. And as he shoots him the first few times, the man falls into the vehicle. And he was shot seven times. So I think it said four times in his one of his legs, uh, a couple times in his other leg, once in his hand, his left hand, um, and I think once in his in his chest or body area as well seven times um but fortunately was not severely injured from any of that and walked out of the hospital two days later but here's a critical moment that comes up you'll see right here he actually reaches down somewhere near the center console of the vehicle it's a little bit hard to see but i watched this a couple of times and paused and rewatched it and you see it's his right arm and hand that goes down and right here boom you'll see that hand swing out and that's where the shot that he shot the suspect came from so here's my point as i've watched this incident um, there's plenty of things that could be dissected and learned from as far as you know obviously situationally being aware um paying attention to cues. It's tough when somebody just emerges randomly out of a vehicle and you, you don't really have much time to respond to that, but you should be taking note of, Hey, this guy, he kind of parked weirdly. All right. In the first place. Um, that's interesting. Maybe I should be thinking about getting out of here. Maybe I should be thinking about getting myself positioned where I have a defensible option to begin with, because to me, what's apparent, Matthew, is that the 
excuse me, that the good guy here did not have his gun on his person. Bingo. And it's clear that he had to reach somewhere in the vehicle to get his gun. And that was a problem. That his hand was basically forced here into his, his he was not going to give in to the the criminal demands of this bad guy right and the only option he had was to basically try to talk his way out of it and trying to talk his way over to his gun mm-hmm. and that is problematic that's hugely problematic here uh and it got him it got him shot all right. Fortunately, he, he lived. He lives to tell the tale. Um, he was able to eventually get to a gun, respond, but it was only after he was shot. So that's uh, that's that's pretty pretty sad to see. Um, now I I think he was shirt, shirtless here, so it's understandable why he wasn't carrying on his person. Um, and that's apparently he was retrieving his shirt from the trunk of his vehicle so he could put a shirt on. Maybe he was going to go into the Wendy's and, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no, no, whatever type policy, you know, he probably needed to get a shirt on just something to think about. All right. Yeah. I, I, we just had a, an episode not too long ago. I wrote that, uh, uh, content piece about not using your car as a holster. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned that he didn't have a shirt on to begin with. You know, I think um, if you get in the habit of carrying the firearm with you and you have a firearm with you, uh, you're going to put on your shirt after whatever activity. You know, it wasn't like he was in in the water. Right. Like maybe he was coming from someplace that he didn't have a shirt. But uh, if you if you if your their habit is having the gun on you, then you remove the gun if you have to go swimming. Right. And as soon as you're done swimming you're probably putting those clothes back on. You're probably not driving around and getting to the McDonald's or whatever to put your clothes back on and grab your gun. So the the thing about, you know, not using your car as a holster, uh, it, it goes into the whole frame of mind of how you carry your firearm. And I'm not going to question, you know, maybe this person, this was the first time they ever, you know, put their gun in the car or whatnot. But, but the idea that, somehow you'll be able to get to the gun every time quick enough or that you'll remember every time you get out of the car to grab your gun from some holster or some box or some center console is just it's fantasy and these are the kind of things that you want to avoid if you can i mean the guy had a firearm right he had a firearm he had the ability to defend himself square away right off the bat yet he had to fight through being shot five times to fight to a gun that if he had on him, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been shot, but he certainly would have had been able to get that gun into the fight much sooner. So um, kudos to this guy who to fight through it, right? Like that, that is awesome. And I'm not taking anything away. I'm just saying if we can learn something, it it, it is to have the firearm on you uh, unless you, physically can. I mean, that's always the preferable method. So is, yeah. you know, I, I think it, it, the, the video spoke volumes to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was also thinking, um, too, about, um, uh, think about where you are and what you're doing and what time of day it is and all of that, you know, maybe in a dark, dimly lit parking lot, I don't know what kind of neighborhood this was in, but still maybe not in a dark 
dimly lit parking lot, maybe that's not the place to be pulling over. You're in a convertible. You don't have a shirt on. You don't have your gun on. Maybe that's not the place to be doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of starts going to that sort of, you know, stupid, you know, or uh, not, not being in stupid places at stupid times with stupid people, you know, kind of, you know, thing like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm not calling this guy stupid necessarily. Okay. I don't want you to think that necessarily. Um, but just give it some thought. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then if you are going to do things that are at those riskier times and places, then you've got to be like way more ramped up in your, in actually being aware. And if some, if anything is out of the ordinary, then you should take steps to avoid, get away, leave, whatever. So that, that's what I'm taking from this one. You know, there's, there's times I've had to be in places that, dark late hours and and not ideal and it it just tells me that if 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 like one thing is out of place i should probably take note of that and leave if i have the option to do so as soon as i can just get get just get away it's not worth the trouble if you know because maybe what you think is out of place or is not quite right maybe, maybe you're misreading that but better safe than sorry sure Tell us about this Orlando homeowner that shoots intruder who broke in while girl was alone. This was happening in Orlando, Florida, and this is on clickorlando.com. Yeah, so this is a pretty cut and dry story. So a homeowner shot an intruder who broke into a home while their daughter was home alone Thursday afternoon. Uh, the shooting was reported around 5.40 p.m., so this is, you know, afternoon. Um Police say the teen girl called her parents and said someone had broken into their home. Okay. It doesn't say that if she called 911 first or her parents, I don't know. Uh, But apparently at some point uh, she calls um, her parents. Neighbors also noticed a man in his 30s or 40s was acting strangely. Apparently the wording in the article doesn't really say, but what I'm gathering is he was in the neighborhood. Somebody in the neighborhood noticed this guy acting strangely and they call 911 independently of knowing that this guy went into uh, this this home. Uh, the man was confronted by the homeowner who returned home. So the, the father uh, gets gets the call from her his daughter. Hey, um, somebody broke into the home. He's rushing home. 911 is called. Police are responding at the same time. He happens to get there first. Um, he shoots the intruder as officers are arriving. Um, and, and he actually shoots the intruder inside his home. So uh, the uh, the intruders taken to the medical center, the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, um, and he's charged, taken into custody, right? Um, authorities say the homeowner will not be charged for the shooting. No kidding. Um, but here's just a couple of things that popped out at me. Um, you know, obviously, we could talk about the phone call, the priority of who you call first and this and that. Um, we talk about sometimes, um, you know, not going into homes if you believe there's an intruder. However, in a situation where, um, you know, you know, you, you have a child inside, then of course, um, you're probably your instincts is going to draw you into that home. Just be aware, you know, um, uh, we don't want to go searching the home if it's unoccupied 
occupied, right? For somebody who broke in, it might still be in there. But if somebody's inside, maybe your your instinct is, hey, I'm going to go in there and say and save my my daughter. Um, that's truly like a, a reasonable response, I think. Um, just you have to be aware uh, that you know it's a dangerous situation. But he confronts him right inside the home, ends up shooting the bad guy. Another thing is the police were also responding, and as we'll talk about in another uh, story. Uh, just be aware of the fact that um, police are responding to a guy who's broken into a home and they don't know who you are, the homeowner, what you look like. They see a guy with a gun. So there is a potential for a friendly fire type incident where you get mistaken as a bad guy. So um, it doesn't say that the father or the the, the the homeowner didn't call 911 and give a description of, hey, I'm responding to, uh, this is what I'm wearing, but that might be something that you uh, think about if, if you can, because you you want to avoid any potential um, mistaken identity of, of responding uh, along with police. So those are just a couple quick things that popped out. Yep. Yeah, you got it. Um, that's pretty much what I saw on this one too is yeah, this is such an interesting one because I totally understand you've got a father like, of course I'm going to go in. If, if police aren't there already, of course I'm going to go in. If my child's in that house Mm -hmm. with an unknown man, you know, Mm -hmm. that's broken in. Sure. So that's a completely rational and reasonable response. Um, there's probably all kinds of things that we get that we could talk about here, you know, talking about how your home is actually secured. What other security measures do you have in place to prevent this person from getting in in the first place? Uh, making your home less of a target, uh, considering other things about your policy or procedures for leaving children at home, whether you do or do not, whether um, you provide them with defensive tools. Uh, There's just, there's a lot of different directions you can go with this one. The big one is, yeah, like this father came home. uh, He beat the police there just barely. Uh, It's a good thing he didn't get himself shot. That's going to come into play here in in a few minutes when we talk about another story. But uh, I'm glad this one worked out the way it did. It could have got, it could have been way worse. It could have been worse. Let's turn now to channel nine and where again? Oh, this one is the one that's in, um, um, Iowa. Was it? No, Louisiana. This was Louisiana. Yep. So this is a 12 year old boy. All right. Who feared for his life and his mother's. And he is the winner or the, the one who, stopped he i guess he is the winner yeah he won here uh it's it's a pretty heavy load for him for him to carry but i'll get into the details here this is on wafb.com so near baton rouge louisiana um basically the story goes that witnesses it says this that witnesses saw the suspect armed with a pistol and he made contact with the mother here in this case, she's she's a resident of this home. Her 12-year-old son apparently is inside the home, but she's outside. So this man, he's a 32-year-old man. He makes contact with her while she's outside the home. 
apparently threatens her with a pistol. He's got one. Witnesses saw this. He forces her into the home. Once inside the home, a struggle begins between the suspect and this mother. It was at this time that the 12-year-old son of this woman grabs a hunting rifle and shoots the suspect, killing him. Mm-hmm. He was pronounced dead, it says, at the hospital. Um, wow. Like, that's this is pretty crazy. Um, now, how often do we come across situations, Matthew, that start outside of a home? Yeah, quite a bit. It, it happens. It happens. It absolutely does. And so just because we're on our property doesn't mean that we are fully safe and secure. Of course, inside the home doesn't mean that either. But the more inside the home we are, the safer we generally become. Because at least it puts a barrier between us and those that would hurt hurt us. Um, We just had a story, I think, I feel like it was just last month where a man, uh, you know, what similar situation where he encountered, maybe it was a, maybe it was two months ago, but anyway, similar kind of thing where the encounter began outside the home. I don't know that that one went inside the home, but, but it started outside the home. So we, we still need, you know, situational awareness. We can't let our guard down fully. Like it's understandable that we are relaxed, that we're comfortable, you know, more so when we are on our property or in our, at our home. Like that's totally understandable. Like that's why it is a home because it's our, it's our safe place. Um, but we, we still need to try to not let our guard down uh, mm-hmm. even, even then. So crazy situation. One that probably could have been solved had the female resident been armed herself. Um, but fortunately her 12 year old son was able to save the day. Yeah. And I, I, my heart goes out to this 12 year, like on one hand, I applaud him like, wow, like that's, that's amazing that this young boy could do that successfully at the same time. Like, ah, that's a heavy, heavy burden to bear for such a, such a young boy. It's heavy for anybody mm-hmm. to take a life, yeah. but, uh, for a 12 year old, that's, that's tough. I hope he's able to, and it does say I, a little bit down in the, in the article here that, uh, uh, I thought I read that somewhere that said that the boy is doing, doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember where that was, but anyway, we're glad it all worked out. Yeah. I mean, and there's a, we could dissect this, you know, uh, many different ways, but a couple of things, um, you know, you mentioned, of course, this kid's going to have uh, a traumatic experience from shooting somebody. Imagine the, the the traumatic experience of seeing your, you know, family murdered in front of you, you know, or your mother. So, you know, as bad as this is, uh, I, I, you know, the fact is, is this kid uh, did what he had to do, which was, I mean, and, and I'm not saying you didn't, you, you didn't mention that, but he, he absolutely stepped up like, like a grown person and did what they had to do and, and did it, uh, effectively and responsibly. And I think, uh, wow, you know, I, a 12 year old kid, amazing. Um, a couple other things, and I don't want to go always, you know, I'll go back to that. Uh, don't use your car as a holster because in this situation, um, I, I, in that article, there were some online comments and one of them was a guy who said, um, he, keeps the gun in a con in a holster console console holster. And before he goes in, in the house, he unloads the gun 
when he gets home. And then when he leaves, before he gets in his car, he loads it up and then he puts it back in the car. And it, it was this mentality that I was like, wow, this is this is a really bad mentality because we you you mentioned we do see a lot of assaults happening at home. So this guy gets, you know, a lot of times people um, they get out of their vehicle, they're going into their home and somebody who is waiting for the person to arrive or, or driving behind them stops a car and rushes up behind them. And if you've just disarmed yourself, you, you know, you've just taken yourself out of the fight or taken away your, your, uh, most, you know, probably valuable, uh, tool besides your brain. Um, and so that's probably not the, the ideal thing. So if, if that's your, you know, your strategy or your, your plan, um, probably not the best plan, um, to have an effect also like, um, just the fact that if you are being moved by somebody with a firearm, the potential for for harm is 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 increased right so if you're trying to evaluate should i comply or should i not a good indicator that something's bad will is about to happen is if the, they start moving victims into more secure or more secluded areas right so um so just kind of that uh, an awareness type thing of about you know sometimes compliance works sometimes it doesn't but you can cue in on a on a, a couple different things that can indicate things are escalating in the in a bad bad one way and one of those is you know you're you're moving to a secluded spot mm-hmm. so yeah yep and be really um, wary of situations like again this one started outside of a home. And the suspect here forces a woman inside the home. Um, not all that dissimilar from that is any time that a a bad guy wants to take you or a person somewhere else, mm-hmm. especially away from a scene. That 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 usually is not not a good thing. Um, you may want to also give some thought to the to the fact that hey. I don't know. And this is going to be different. And, and again, I'm glad this one worked out the way it did, but are you sure you want to allow this person to take you inside your home where you know your child is mm-hmm. right? Like maybe the place to make the stand is here outside of the home for the sake of my child. Right. It's just lots of things to think about and think through and consider. Um, everyone needs to answer those questions for themselves. Story out of Las Vegas. I'm going to be fairly brief on this one because um, we need to we need to get to our final story, which is the Old Town Arvada, Colorado shooting, and we're we're kind of out of town, time at this point. But uh, but we'll uh, we'll get these these done because we want to do them justice. But this is a story out of Las Vegas. Basically, this this was a domestic situation. Uh, you have an ex boyfriend that uh, showed up to his ex-girlfriend's birthday party that she was hosting at a hotel in Las Vegas on the 22nd floor. He shows up, he's threatening, threatening her and, and her party goers. Uh, and he's trying to take her away again. We just, I just talked about that. Like, Hey, that's not, (laughs) that's not a good thing. Okay. You want to stay where there's other people. You want to stay where there's witnesses. Um, now it didn't it didn't say that he was using the gun initially in this crime or really ever in the crime it doesn't specify that there is a gun involved it's going to come into play here in a moment 
but he is grabbing this woman, his ex-girlfriend. He's trying to drag her out. He's punching her. He's choking her. All this stuff is he's trying to get her to, uh, to, to leave and to come with him. At some point, one of the other, one of this lady's friends, another female, apparently, uh, I don't know whether, again, if he had actually used the gun, pointed the gun, whatever, but she, she discovers he's got a gun. She grabs his gun from him. It could have come off his waist. It could have come out of his hand. But uh, either way, this ex-boyfriend gets his gun taken away. And then he gets shot with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say whether the person that took the gun from him pulled the trigger or somebody else. But either way, the gun was taken from him and used against him to defend the life of the girlfriend here, the ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It does say that his injuries from being shot were considered life-threatening, but that uh, does it appear that he is going to survive uh, he is facing charges of battery, domestic violence, strangulation, booked into jail. Um, and the weird thing here, this is kind of like the first story we covered, Matthew, or one of the earlier stories. Maybe not the first one. It was the one with the, the young the boy. boy. Mm-hmm. But it also says in this story that the person who pulled the trigger could be facing a charge of battery with the use of a deadly weapon resulting in substantial bodily harm. Yeah. You know, again, anytime we pull a trigger with a gun, we could in theory, face charges. Sure. But, man, this sure seems like clear-cut self-defense case to me. Yeah, yeah. I I mean... I don't know why that's relevant (laughs) in this article. Right, and and I don't know, maybe they're leaving something out, right, that, like, the guy was already running down the hallway without her, and she picked up the gun and shot him. Like, of course, that might be. But they don't include that in the article. They just kind of throw out this, like, hey, by the way, she might be facing. So uh, who knows, yeah. right? But, um, but yeah, this from what they reported on, it seems like a pretty legitimate case of self-defense or defending another one. Yep. Huh. Yep. It's always stories like that that remind me that even when we are not armed, uh, with a gun ourselves, like doesn't mean we're totally defenseless. And that holds true here in this case. Sure. Denver post title of the article Samaritan who killed Arvada gunman was shot by officer while holding suspects. AR 15 police say this story has gotten a lot of news and a lot of attention uh, nationwide. Even uh, happened pretty much in Jacob's backyard. I mean, Jacob lives a good, he, he lives technically up in that area, but, but fairly removed from where this, where this occurred. I'm not that far from there either, like 20 minutes away. So kind of close to home. Uh, it's unfortunate because an officer lost his life. A good Samaritan responder lost his life. Matthew, give us uh, kind of the summary of the details. Yeah. You guys have probably heard, but basically uh, this, this uh, gunman he is intent on killing police officers. That's what he wants to do. So he uh, pulls up behind an officer. There's there's a report uh, of, a, of a guy, I, I believe um, the initial report was a guy acting strangely suspicious person. Police officer parks his vehicles, walking in, in exits his vehicle, walking down a, uh, like an alleyway. A uh, guy pulls in, the shooter pulls in behind him, uh, takes out a, a rifle and basically pursues the officer who's not 
looking behind him because the the call is from a, an area ahead of him. Um, and as you know, the 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 gunman closes a gap between the officer and him. Uh, he must say something, or the officer senses something, turns around, and he's shot initially uh, right then and there, maybe a hundred yards from where this guy parked his vehicle, his truck. So the gunman runs back, gets another firearm. Um, in the in the meantime, this uh, this good Samaritan concealed carrier uh, rolls up and sees what's going on. He he's on foot. He sees what's going on, and um, and engages with the gunman. Um, ends up taking the gunman's uh, rifle from him. So this happens like in you know within minutes of the officer being shot. Uh, the Good Samaritan's there, shoots the bad guy, disarms him uh, or, or, or grabs his firearm and police are arriving. Right. Shots, you know, officer down. Uh, and so they're arriving without a lot of information. And unfortunately, uh, the Good Samaritan is is shot by pol- responding police, believing that he is actually the bad guy and not, um, you know, the guy who shot the bad guy. So it's a horrific, you know, tragic case of somebody intervening, doing something good, um, being, you know, kind of at, I guess at the right place at the right time to intervene because this guy's intent was to kill as many officers, uh, as they responded, he was just going to continue to shoot officers and kill as many as he could presumably probably would have, um, and, uh, was ended up, you know, stopped by this guy and, and just because of coincidence and, and timing, um, is, it ends up being shot and killed. So it, it's, it's a really sad story. It's super sad. It's yeah. super sad. Uh, because again, we don't know all the facts. We don't know everything perfectly as it happened. Uh, but it is entirely possible and even likely that the actions of Johnny Hurley, the good Samaritan were all completely reasonable and appropriate considering the circumstances. It's also entirely possible and likely that the responding officers actions were also reasonable and appropriate. Uh, and that sometimes even when everybody is reasonable in their actions, people still get hurt because Coincidences happen, mistakes happen, accidents happen, uh, even when they are not meant to happen. My point here being is uh, I've seen quite a few comments uh, from a lot of different folks in the, in the last you know number of weeks. been following this one fairly closely. Uh, a lot of people very critical of the police for shooting Johnny Hurley. Um, and, and that, I, I, hey, I understand that. Like I respect those comments because um, Johnny shouldn't have gotten shot, arguably, right? He shouldn't have. He was the good guy. Um, at the same time, you know, nobody wants to uh, criticize the Good Samaritan here, but you know what? That's a risk when you get yourself involved in a situation, I mean, how many times on the podcast have we talked, how many times in these justified saves episodes, Matthew, have we talked about involving yourself in other people's problems? Yeah. Okay. And I, and it's not that I'm saying you shouldn't do that. I, I applaud the actions of Johnny Hurley. Okay. He likely saved lives. 
undoubtedly. I, I'm fairly con- it, it's again, it's hard. We don't always know exactly what would have happened had he not acted, but it seems very, very, very likely that he saved lives with his actions. Bravo, brother, bravo. Like that is you did a good thing. You did an honorable thing by he was in the army surplus store. I, I know I've been in that store. Uh, he, he left the store to go in pursuit of where those shots were. He, he saw people running. He heard shots fired. He knew something was wrong. He went to see what he could do. He was carrying his gun that day. I don't know what his level of training was, but I'll tell you what. He faced down a man with an AR-15, and all Johnny had was a handgun. And I think he, I think I read somewhere that he fired two shots and he got the job done. He disabled the threat. He stopped the threat. He stopped a threat wielding a gun that was infinitely more capable than his handgun in terms of firepower, capacity, all of that. Maybe not infinitely, but a big time disparity in, in, in those tools, those, those, deadly force tools, right? AR-15 in the hands of a bad guy. I don't know what gun Johnny was carrying, but wow, that is, that is commendable and it is remarkable because officers ran into the King Supers up in Boulder not that long ago to try to stop that guy and got themselves shot going up against him with an AR-15, right? Like, that is uh, pretty cool. Now, there is some advantage to be had as a civilian. We talked about this uh, last month with the guy that was, he shot some, you know, old older lady in an apartment complex and mm-hmm. was randomly shooting around this apartment complex, uh, probably trying to get police to arrive and, and wanted to, you know, either suicide by cop or wanted to kill a bunch of cops or whatever. Some it, it's kind of the way it looked like it looked to me and a, an apartment dweller somewhere near there grabbed his own rifle and shot and killed him. He probably had no idea what hit him. Probably had no idea where it came from. Uh, unless, you know, the man issued commands or something because it's very hard. Like, it's hard to miss police when they show up, when they are on scene, like, you know, it because they make noise, sirens are coming, you know, they run onto the scene, they're dressed in uniform with a shiny badge on their, on their chest. So, but you're just some dude dressed in everyday clothes, gray man, hopefully, right? There, there is some advantage there because they may not, immediately recognize that you're trying to stop them and you should try to keep that advantage as much as possible. So I don't know how that all played out. I'd kind of like to know, but Johnny was able to gain the advantage and shoot and stop the threat. Now, for whatever reason, he picked up the rifle and I kind of think that it may have just been really bad timing that as he did so, other officers, whether they came around a corner or whatever, and it may have all just happened very, very quickly. So we can second guess and play armchair quarterback all day long with this and say, why didn't the officers issue commands or give him a chance to, you know, put his hands up or drop the weapon or that kind of thing? Don't know. 
I don't know how it is that he ended up getting shot, but I know that he did. And it could have been that everybody made reasonable, and Andrew Brankett talks about this all the time, made reasonable decisions and that their actions were reasonable, and yet it still resulted in this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it any less painful or and it doesn't necessarily excuse it, but it but hopefully we can wrap our heads around it and go, I can see how or why this happened and that it is terribly unfortunate. And that anytime we get ourselves involved in a situation like this, we have to understand and be thinking and really not, well, we should try to think about that in the morning, in the moment, but that may be difficult to do, but we need to have the idea and understand that if I get myself involved, I, I don't get to choose the outcome. And we can get ourselves hurt or killed trying to do the right thing. Cause that's just the way it goes sometimes because everybody's playing with deadly weapons. Yeah. I, and, and you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't want to speculate on the tactics of the officers or because we just don't know. And anybody claiming to know exactly what the officers saw or what they didn't see or, or what must have information that, you know, we don't, we, we haven't seen yet, but, um, my my big takeaway is an individual's um, understanding of what they are willing to get involved in and realize the consequences of getting involved in anything. And this is why, whether it's in confronting the dude with that's breaking into your car and you're inside your home and you leave the safety of your home to confront them, or you intervene in a shooting, they may be lawful. They may be something that you know, it is the right thing to do, but anytime you get involved in anything like this, your, your odds of being injured, killed, going to prison, going to court, whatever, killing somebody else, um, go up whatever by whatever percentage. And we have to be aware of that. We can't be naive and think that every gunfight is going to go the way we want it to, or the way we practice it on the range or our, our, you know, our beep and draw the first shot under a sec. Like we can't presume that that's what's going to happen because it didn't happen to the dude that was putting on his shirt and got, you know, ambushed. It didn't happen to, to Hurley here. I mean, it just, it just, it just doesn't usually go that way. So, um, beforehand be prepared to 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 have an idea of what am i willing to get involved in and if i do get involved i i I recognize that the risk could potentially be that i give up my life and and is that what i'm willing to do if it is you know then then it is but if it's not you know um don't go thinking that that you can't die because we all can Mm -hmm. yeah yep Appreciate your thoughts and comments, Matthew. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, like I said, we, we may end up doing a dedicated episode to this whole incident, um, especially, you know, we've gotten some pretty good information the last few weeks. I'd like to see a little bit more info come out, obviously. Uh, the more we know, the better job we can do of, of actually discussing and breaking down this whole thing and in pulling out of it the best lessons possible to share with all of you. So, We'll, we'll, uh, Matthew and I have talked about that, so we'll, we'll see about doing that at some point here uh, in, in the relatively near future. So there you go. Well, guys, this brings us to an end of our Justified Saves episode here today. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you 
you know, learned things and, and are coming away with some thoughts and ideas and suggestions uh, for how to hopefully be a little bit better prepared yourselves in the case that you, unfortunately, not inevitably, but unfortunately, because it's possible, could happen, you know, anything like these stories today can happen to any one of us just about any given time. That's the thing that covering these stories has reinforced for me is that bad things happen to good people all the time in places and ways and at different times of the day that, I mean, just anything can happen at any time. Uh, some things we can uh, hopefully see coming and be a little bit better prepared for, but there are certainly incidences, incidents that happen with little to zero warning whatsoever. And no matter what we did, it was just our day and we were going to get sucked into that mess. And that's just the way life goes sometimes. But I hope that you are a little bit better prepared to hopefully deal with those situations should it occur to you. Uh, the big thing is I would hope that you, that you kind of spend some time here and there, like actually kind of war gaming would be a word to describe it with, right? It's sort of like mental dry fire practice of just thinking through and, and these kinds of stories are great examples and great opportunities to do this with, to just sort of think our way through similar problems and, and how we might handle ourselves in those situations. Because the more decisions that we can make ahead of time and the more mental preparation we can have, the, then the better decisions we can typically make in the moment. So anyway, guys, today's episode is sponsored by Excess Sites, excesssites.com and also the Legal Boundaries by State book available at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. We appreciate you all. Welcome again to season three. We look forward to a fabulous third season of the podcast, and we're going to have a great time. Guys, thank you for your support of the podcast, for your support of our sponsors, and we will see you back here with episode two of season three. Until then, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care.